commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! From the bright side of the galaxy, I'm Chris Comeback, and you're listening to Call World News, your homeland news show for in-depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now for your news segment rundown for October 16th, 2020. Kyber Crystal Comics Corner. Fascinating facts. But first, Claudia Gray reaches out to the team to point out an interesting tidbit about Snoke's domain in the Kylo Ren comic. Now for your host, Ben, Grant, and Adam to discuss. Thank you very much, Grex. Uh, It's very good to be back with you this week. Thank you all for listening to us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, And uh, this past week, we were um, blessed with the uh, interaction with one of our heroes, literary heroes that we were actually talking about last week. Uh, Claudia Gray posted um, on one of our instagram posts which was um a photo that we used for snoke that i happened to randomly choose um and it's of like capped snoke on his like bucolic world that was unnamed um and what we heard from claudia there rise of kylo ren comic correct that's right number two um kylo ren number two um and we see the planet in the first issue as well um but he talks a bit a little a little bit about it in um into um and yeah claudia suggested that we remember this world um so what do you guys think uh she was meaning by that well i mean she's writing on the high republic right right now so (laughs) probably something to do with the high republic i have thoughts and not even anything good but um great i knew you had some interesting uh possible speculation what are your thoughts well i think we have to look at the context first right i think we get a little bit of context in the comic where snoke Mm -hmm. says the world was built as a barrier i believe a barrier against the dark or something like that right yeah in the comic itself so we know it's some sort of ward right the world itself this garden world of some kind yeah Yeah. but it's it's not it's not exactly a garden world because it seems like there's it's almost like life is just the the cycle of life is just moving faster because there's like there's hmm. a lot of bones underneath a lot of the vegetation. I don't know if you guys noticed that in the comic, but uh, it seems like there's like a layer of bones and then a layer of vegetation hmm. atop that. Um, it it kind of reminds me of the planet that's in the Trevorrow script where the, it goes to the seasons at a heightened rate where it's just it's going season after season very quickly. Um, the, the planet seems a little like that. Like it's just nature is acting a bit funky on that world. Right. And we we know it is. So it is this very green world. And then it's surround. It's sort of it has these rings like almost like a a cylinder of rings mm-hmm. that sort of go along one axis of the planet. Um, so it's not like the rings of Saturn or anything. It's sort of like this structure that I think it's like four or five mechanical rings that surround the planet um, in a very interesting and unique way. Um, so there seems to be some mechanical element um, involved with the planet and then obviously some sort of force thing there. So it's definitely an interesting locale. I, I looked at it from the way you described it as sort of like the inverse of uh, Dagobah, where mm. like Dagobah was like a very like dark force, like, um, you know, energy planet. And it's right. sort of that's what that's what Yoda used to hide himself. And so I was wondering if like, oh, well, if this is a a planet that's very, you know, 
large in the in the light side of the forest, that's how Snoke would be able to hide himself from yeah. Luke there. Um, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's like that's that's how he did it. But um, we know that Claudia is working on um, her first book in the High Republic is going to be Into the Dark, and it's a, a young adult novel, um, and uh, which looks fascinating. And her, her, I mean, we know Claudia has done young adult work before. She did uh, Lost Stars, which was, I mean, in the pantheon of best Star Wars books ever, um, even though it was considered young adult. Um, yeah. She also did Bloodline and Leia. Leia might have been, or Leia, Princess of Alderaan. That was young adult as well. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and I loved that. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. She also did Master and Apprentice, which was one of my favorite books. Yeah. Like, she, I mean, yeah, she's she's done some really, really, really superb work um, there. So that yeah. Into the Dark is going to be great. But anyway, so be interesting to see, you know, if we, we find the um, the beginnings of, of this planet um, yeah. somewhere in there. And um, right. that was really fun little Easter egg. She yeah. There. And like a little tinfoil hattie here. So I, I was trying to figure out like Star Wars loves if like if you think about to the Clone Wars cartoon, and then what we see in the uh, in the in Episode Seven, and we also see a little bit in Jedi Fallen Order. There's this. There's what happens to Ilum, right? Ilum is taken and transformed into a Death Star, right? Yeah. So part of me is looking at this picture of this planet, and you're talking about those rings surrounding it. There's also two things at the end connecting those rings, which looks like it could be something that goes all the way through the planet. Yeah. And thinking about what Starlight Station may look like, yeah, part of me is wondering if this is not what happens to Starlight Station after 300 years. Is that the Jedi continued to build a biosphere around it? Yeah. If part of what we're thinking, you know, part of my, what I'm thinking is if if people are kind of stuck where they're at, you know, if the the hyperspace lanes are down for whatever reason, to make a biosphere around Starlight Station to make this completely self-contained thing. And that would be a to me would think it'd be a heart like a like a like an area of of the light side. Right. So something yeah. about that. So that's part of what I'm thinking is wondering if this is not just see that's Starlight Station itself. Yeah. I'm I'm going to also uh, pick up my tinfoil hat and place it firmly on my head and uh, get into this theory because uh, I'm going to I'm going to take your biosphere theory and I'm going to raise the stakes with it. I'm going to say that go. maybe if this was if this was indeed Starlight Station, maybe something incredibly grave happened where it was afflicted by some sort of darkness, right? Ooh, some sort of mm-hmm. some sort of darkness, yeah. let's just say uh, some sort of curse or or something like that, wherein there's something necrotic happening, there's something entropic happening underneath that's being held in by all this life force. That's right. kind of, yeah. it, it, that explains the bones underneath the vegetation. Maybe there's something that's just necrotic, that's literally killing everything underneath all of that that jungle all underneath all those those plants and it makes me think that maybe the nile had you know penetrated the galaxy and gotten to the starlight station and something cataclysmic happened there and then it would had to be enclosed like a pandora's box like yeah. a, with this biosphere that's kind of that's kind I of like an that. idea that i yeah I'm gonna i like that idea a lot so i just looked at that picture grant had texted us some of the some of the pictures from the comic and i see what you're talking about there's bones there's a there's a scene where kylo is being led kind of over over just a chasm or whatever by snoke and there's a there's a there's a bone there there's bones there that looks a lot like a dinosaur 
that we're seeing. And if you guys remember back to remember the High Republic uh, writers retreat and they had the whiteboard and the whiteboard had like what. Oh, they, yeah. Remember, dinosaurs. one of the wow. things that they really wanted to see was dinosaurs. So now I'm really tinfoil hatting it. Right. If like this is like someone decided that they're like Claudia Gray, maybe that was her. Maybe that was her contribution of like wish list as dinosaurs. And she found a way to sneak maybe. them into this. Maybe Trevor's gonna get his, um, you know, his time in the Star Wars sun after all, and he's gonna get Lost World in um, in the galaxy far, far away. <laughs> this is gonna be a, a dinosaur planet, uh, a dinosaur yeah. theme park in um, in Star Wars. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a beacon of light yeah. and hope for cross for everyone? That's hilarious. And so, I also, I, just, okay, I, I want to reiterate the the kismet of this whole situation with her reaching out to us or, or commenting on something in Instagram because like. The, like Ben randomly picked up, not randomly, like it was thoughtful, but you picked a picture of Snoke because we talked a lot about Snoke. There's a lot of Snoke out there you could choose, right? Yeah. And I know you love that, love that, that version of Snoke and so do I, but you picked that. Then we also, in the same episode, happened to talk about this, the High Republic kind of discussion that they had. And yeah. so we just randomly, not randomly, but again, not randomly, we tagged her in this because it was our it was our post that covers our entire week of things like it's just funny of all those things having to come together to her probably yeah. just see her name tag and something and be like oh that's weird i wrote about this like yeah just i, I yeah. chose that photo because i was like that was kind of my victory lap and i was trying to troll mm -hmm. you guys because i was kind of closest on um mm -hmm. on uh snoke's like actual where he came from and that was the photo like that version of snoke is the version that i imagine like seems to give evidence that he was a person that was then cloned yeah uh, but uh which but uh, anyways and i just like I, I like funny hat like snoke in a hat is just like <laughs> the funniest thing ever they're yeah, like really yeah, let's give him a hat um so uh yeah um who's do you have the comic in front of you there is who's the author of that comic or uh charles sewell, sewell. Oh, sorry. sewell? okay yeah or did cool. we just find out last week is it soul soul yes <laughs> i will always say soul but apparently yeah, it's i think soul. it's i think it's soul but all right yeah no it was i think in that um the the polygon interview there um they they called him charles soul which well, we should do because we're his name is going to come up again in kyber crystal comics corner because he yeah he's also doing the current star wars run and um i have a note about one of his characters names and so does greg's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a season, a season desist note. No, yeah. no, yeah. Well, kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. Like, Thank <laughs> yes. you so much. We love you. You're our yeah. guy, Charles. <laughs> if you're out there listening to this podcast, thank you. And uh, let's talk on. Greg on... just stormed out of the building, guys. Yeah, he, <laughs> be careful. Let's be careful. Yeah, yeah. Greg's on the other hand is probably gonna <laughs> file a suit. <laughs> he is really protective about his intellectual property. Um. Well, super. Um, so that was our uh, that was our um, but first for this week. Yeah. Fascinating facts. All right, and now it's time for a new segment. We're going to call fascinating facts. Fascinating facts. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, this is all right. So this is a book that's just came out. We'll just say that. Um, that we saw have that uh, Grant saw advertised. It's by Pablo Hidalgo, uh, the illustrious uh, member a, of the Star Wars story group. Having a busy couple of weeks. He's got this and the Star Wars book coming and out. And the Star Wars book, yes. 
Um, and he seems to really have this naming convention thing down. Um, he, yeah, so this is fascinating facts, story, lore, and history from the greatest galaxy. I kind of like that, though. Yeah. The greatest galaxy, greatest generation, greatest war, like, greatest galaxy. That's really kind of great. Um, anyways, it's got some fascinating facts, and it's just sort of fast and loose. It's not organized in any specific way. There's, like, some information on planets and stuff here. So we're just going to grab one and talk about it real quick, because uh, why not? Star Wars. Uh, this week, we have Where the Greys Come From, uh, and it reads as uh, such. The Kaminoans closely resemble the aliens of UFO conspiracy culture, the so-called Greys, that the U.S. government is supposedly holding prisoner at Area 51 and who are responsible for a rash of abductions and cattle mutilations and other odd occurrences in fringe folklore. George Lucas specifically requested the look as a nod to that mythology and an homage to his pal Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He envisioned them hailing from an oceanic world as the ocean is the cradle of all life. <clears throat> Says uh, uh, Lucas, they are recreating life there, he said, and Kaminoans are creatures that began life in that area. What do you guys think about um, Lama Sioux at all? Uh, being Grace from um, Spielberg's epic there. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, not surprised because clearly Lucas and Spielberg are obsessed with gray aliens. I mean, you already mentioned it from Close Encounters, but then like, I swear it was in like four years of each other. We had episode two, we had AI, and we had Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Right, right, which are all like basically you just have Kaminoans in all three of those movies, right? <laughs> in some manner, and I'm like, I get it, guys. You you were aware of the gray aliens in the 1980s, just like I was. Like, yes, that was a yeah. big thing in our culture for like five years for some reason. Yeah, yeah. there was already yeah. there's also an ET homage to Spielberg. Um, in I think that was either episode two or episode three. Uh, no, I think it's episode one. I think it's, it's in the first one. one. Yeah, the Greeblex. And they're they're yeah they're in the un they're in the galaxy they're in the galaxy they're in yeah. the senate. How many that's, homages that's, do you need? I mean that is a double homage because they're called the Greeblex, which is the Spielberg's backwards, which is one of my favorite things. Right. But we're moving on. The I mean the Kaminoans are are clearly it's apparent they're connected to the Greys like an aesthetic, and yeah. design. Uh, but I think with the saving grace there in the in the creative decisions is making them. Uh, making their settlement on a water yeah. planet and not putting them in a mothership, you know, traveling around the galaxy. Yeah. Cause that would have been a little bit too, I think on the nose. And so I, I do like some of the world building that goes with the Kaminoans that kind of sets them apart from, you know, conspiracy theories and grays and, and stuff we know about and, and whatnot. And that's, that's kind of in UFO ufology and whatnot. And so I think what, what he did with the, the Kemen, the Kaminoans is, is kind of unique and, uh, and I applaud him for it. I think it's cool. I think what he did, he was able to spin it in an interesting direction where it didn't feel, you know, cliche in any way. So I think that's why George is like a master storyteller, right? Because it's not just like, like you could have done that one thing, right? Just, Oh, it's like gray aliens in the middle of this thing, but he's like, let's just add one more element and then see how they all connect. Right. Like this idea of just like adding a water world and this idea of like, Oh, it's life. Well, like life comes from the ocean. They're creating life. Like that's very George, right? Like, like everything is, every decision is a decision, right? Like nothing is just randomly just thrown in there. Like everything right. has to have a purpose. And I, I think that's really, yeah. really neat the way he would do that. Yeah. yeah that's a beautiful connection. Favorite. 
Right. Kimino is one of my favorite worlds. I mean, you have those amphibious pterodactyls. Um, <laughs> right. I forgot about those. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that element is just like so great. Um, Battlefront Two, it's like my favorite. It's that's my a great favorite map. plant, like map, because yeah. it's like constantly raining. Um, and the oceans, like I would live yeah. on Camino, like tomorrow. See, that's interesting because it's not like it's not like these these warm Precambrian oceans where cells are dividing and, and evolving. It's like tumultuous, stormy weather. Like uh, it's yeah, there's a lot going on there, and a lot of design choices going on there that are really interesting. That that kind of that that both contradict each other and support each other. That are it's, yeah, it's really cool. Super neat. It also explained why I was always found them very unsettling because I, again, as a child of the 80s, was inundated with Unsolved Mysteries and the movie Communion and all these things that were just like constantly on television of like gray aliens are going to come and abduct you out of your bed. <laughs> I was very scared of them as a kid, like very I had nightmares about gray aliens as a kid. Yeah. And so this, yeah, and so this book is giving us some some behind the scenes, you know, tidbits. But I really want some canon news for, about the Kaminoans. Like, where did they go after the yeah. the fall of the Republic? And like, did they stay on Camino Kim, Kim, as as everything blew over? Or did they like? Did they was their cloning technology stolen by the the, the Emperor? You know, uh, who were their other right clients? Now? Like, right? Obviously, yeah. Like, who, yeah. Is, who else but... has been going to them? Yeah. This, yeah. There were no cloning questions. Yeah. They're known as cloners, right? Like yeah. that was that that that's from Dex's diner. Dex refers to them as those cloners, right? So like, clearly they've been doing business with other people. Um, but I, I think... they also have highly advanced untraceable untraceable weaponry. <laughs> that's like, yeah. Oh yeah, the, like the Camino saber darts. Feature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot going on with the Kaminoans that kind of like it. There's a, they they kind of seem outside the power structure of the galaxy. Do you yeah. guys get that same feel from them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, they were They're... able to wipe themselves from the Jedi archives. Yeah. You know, somehow. Like, what? I always think of them like offshore banks in a weird way. Yeah. Like, right? Like, they, like they're like they totally involved in all the economics the Caymans, of the, of the, the galaxy. The Kaminoans, the Caymans, kind of, the like, Kaminoans. not involved with the politics. Oh, my God, yeah. the Caymanoans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh man! But I feel like in the clone, the Clone Wars cartoon, they would pop up occasionally, but they weren't dealt with a ton, right? There was it was there, but like I, I don't know. I feel like there is more of their story to be told. I know we know kind of the end of where they were at the Clone Wars, right? We kind of know the the battle of is it the second battle of Kaminoa or whatever, but it's in there, right? I think they they blew That's up right. the the cloning yeah. factories. But I'm like, that doesn't end their story, right? Like, they, my always thought was like, but they could just rebuild them or move somewhere else and do it somewhere else. I, I know. I mean, also, could... is there an abyss element to them? Like, are we just seeing the tip of the iceberg with those structures above water? Is there is there something else below? Like, do we know? Yeah, they definitely go below. I think in that battle they show because um, the separatists attack with submarines. Oh, really that's right. Squid shaped submarines. Um, and plus, like, I mean, it's a planet. There's not one structure on the whole planet. For all we know, yeah. there could be land masses that they live on. Um, but there's this cloning facility was out in the middle of this ocean. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's who knows what else is going on on the rest of that planet. It's called. I mean, so. yeah, we know that Filoni loves George and George loves the Kaminoans and that Filoni is working yeah. on a show currently where there is a possible clone element going on, which has been hinted at. So I would yeah. be surprised if we see these guys again, or at least hear a bit of their story. Like maybe we don't see them, but we hear a bit of it through storytelling or exposition about what's, what's going on with the Kaminoans currently. 
I mean, right. what if that water planet we saw in the uh, mm. in the, the trailer isn't um, Aqualish, like we not Aqualish, uh, Moncala, like we think? Like, what if that's Kamina? Right. You know, I mean, we saw a lot of Quarrens there. We know Quarrens live on uh, Moncala, but I mean, they're waterfaring creatures. It's possible yeah. it's like a Quarren community on Kamino. Sure, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That would be pretty cool. That would be interesting. Yeah, well, maybe find out in 14 days. Because the Corrin currently cohabitat Moncala with the Moncalamari, right? Yes. Yeah. And they have that sort of like endless civil war there um, or tentative peace, depending on how you catch them. But uh, yeah, so maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe the Corrin just left or maybe they just got kicked out by the Maybe the Moncala were just like, get out of here. We're done with y'all. Right. And they were like, then they happened. There's some settled on um, on Camino. It would make sense. It's an o- another ocean planet. Be a nice place to for refugees to go hang out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So lots of lots of fun things in that. Fascinating facts. Come crystal, come Right, and we're finally back with comics. It's been a few weeks, but we've got a nice buildup of comics to talk about. Uh, three, in fact, we'll talk about Doctor Afra number four, Darth Vader number six, and Star Wars number seven. Um, I'll lead it off with Afra. Uh, Fortune and Fate Part Four: The Deal by Wong, Cresta, Rosenberg, Karabanga, and Reminar. Uh, here is my short uh, summary. So after double-crossing the gang, Just Lucky meets Tog on Canatonica with one of the Lost Rings of Valet. Uh, meanwhile, Afra and her team escape the living city of Bone only to arrive on Canto Bight with what seems to be a slapdash plan. Dun-dun-dun. Chaos. Was it a slapdash fan, uh, plan? I think that's why I said what seems to be a slapdash plan, because we don't hear anything about the plan, and then they're there, and I think the last line out of Afra is like, I hope this works. <laughs> like, She has a plan, but does Afra really ever have a well-formed plan? Oh. Right, because at the end of this, she's kind of, she, she has the underhand, and she, uh, she's impri- she's imprisoned by Tog, Tage, the guy at the end of this. Is that right? Yeah, she's clearly been caught, but I think, no, like, willingly, like, knew she'd be caught, but I, like, so... So under her breath, the last line is, I really, really hope this works. <laughs> this is her last line. So I think she's, you know, she has a plan. I don't know how well conceived of it is. It is. Right. And but, uh, but Lucky betrayed them, right? Yes. Yep. Lucky uh, stole the ring, brought it to Tog, Tag, whatever. Yeah. He seemed and, like uh, such a good guy in that first issue. He did. Taggy. They did. Taggy. <laughs> Just kidding. I think we got they really off. pulled the rug. They really pulled the rug on us. Well, they did seem to suggest that that Tag or Taggy did have him over a barrel a little bit. Like, right, his brother seemed to be like a gambling addict or something. And it seemed to suggest that, you know, he was doing it more for family than it was because he's a, you know, bad guy. And so just look, who, who is Taggy? Who is Taggy? Who is Taggy the... is the uh, he's the the art destroyer. Yeah. He's the guy who yeah, always the iconoclast. He's our, he's our villain. Yeah, yeah, he's our villain who just buys art to destroy it and, and then drink his the artist's tears. 
Yeah, just sort of a funny. That's right. They set him up early as this this kind of art theft, the art the connoisseur uh, guy. Um, he's not part of a syndicate or anything like that, right? He just runs a casino on Cantonic. He's no, exactly. He's from like a very wealthy family. In fact, his family. I think we talked about it maybe last issue, which was probably a month or two ago. But he does. His family does have connections to the Imperials because there is a tag in yeah. one of the one of the, it's one of the ones that Vader I think kills or yeah so so he definitely has connections we don't know if that's his brother or cousin or what but his family definitely has connections yeah i mean it's it's, it can't be a coincidence that tag taggy um tag um is used twice there it's not like um antilles or something it's just a common name or kenobi right and what's Uh, what's the fate of professor oka in this issue yeah i think she is captured along with that's right. Yeah, she's captured as well. Um, and essentially, her life's work has been destroyed and got destroyed right in front of her eyes. Which she's is one that of my whole new city characters. Yeah, I love that character. Yeah. yeah, she's fantastic. She's a bit rudderless right now, unfortunately, because um, she's saw her. I mean, that was like the biggest tragedy that I've seen. And again, it's that's what this series is about, which is awesome. It's just destroying art and like the people that worship it just sort of like dying inside. And so we had that moment with. Um, the professor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, I, since Ben won the bet last week, I won the bet this week. Cause remember there were the ghosts and stuff that they were seeing in the previous yes. episode. And I argue that it wasn't actually ghosts, that it was something else. It was something more, whatever. And so it was the city itself. Actually, it says that, um, the the bone matter comprising the city, it's alive and it's singing, emitting frequencies that target our brain waves. So that's what's doing it. So it's actually creating hallucinations that aren't real. Yeah. So we discovered why they were hallucinating and going bonkers. Yeah. I mean, let's just say ghosts. Though. I mean, like if you've got singing walls and living <laughs> stone and what, all that. What like, are ghosts? But, but you know, demons right. that our own mind creates. Right. <laughs> they didn't, they never walls. really move, right, in the issue. I think you just see, like, the architecture and there's, like, the, the, the bodies coming out of the wall. Last... Last issue, I thought it's like, you, a, like uh, sonic hallucinations. Yeah, like they, this their their singing infects your brain and and makes you hallucinate. And yeah, yeah. But a super cool planet. Like I love the idea that's yeah. just made of uh, everything. Dianth, I believe, is that what the planet was called? So, I think so. Yeah, the catacombs of Valet Dianth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm loving this arc with Afra. It's fantastic. Me too. This is a good issue in terms of action packed. A lot happens, but not a lot happens, if that makes sense. Like, it's a lot of. Adam, like, Adam I read yeah. this comic a, a couple weeks ago. I don't have it in front of me, but can you tell us what the cover is for next week? And I think we have some speculation from episodes, previous episodes, where we talked about. We, we, we you know, we all speculated on what these rings would be used for. Is there, is there a cover at the end of this issue that you get a preview of? Uh, I believe for next, so. For the next one. Scanning. I think it's Afro Scanning. holding both rings, right? <laughs> uh, it is tag no. holding tag holding one, Afro uh, re- reaching out for the other one. But in t- in tag's eyes, he has both one red eye and one green eye. So it's clearly like yes. And then the next issue, uh, someone's going to put the rings on. And I think the catchphrase is. Afra can get away with the priceless rings of LA or save her friends. And Rowan tag is about to become the most powerful being in the galaxy. Right. So that is yes, 
And it's gonna be a it's gonna be a curse. It's just it, he's, he's, it's not gonna go well for him once he puts the rings on. It's gonna uh, yeah, be a, good. it's gonna be to feed man. Right. I mean, the the irony is that like if he just did what his mo is and destroyed the rings yes. for that, then he would be fine. But instead, and like that would actually be the right thing to do with these. Um, right. But will he be seduced by the power of the rings? Um, one other brief mention back to just lucky. Who's an interesting character is the, the one, this is my one big takeaway from this issue is that like he was smart enough to walk away. Like he essentially got 10 cents on the dollar of what he was promised for bringing this. Yeah. Ring back. Um, because it's like, you're supposed to bring two and you're supposed to bring, you know, this, uh, the, the professor with you and he only brought one ring. Um, and everyone, you know, the people on his team were complaining like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, let's just go. Let's just yeah. go. And because he knows he's dealing with obviously his brother's life's in danger. Um, and it appears he isn't just lucky, he's also smart because yeah. Tag is the kind of guy that would just, you know, kill you, kill your brother. Like he doesn't care. It's like a like a Vader, a deal with Vader sort of thing. You gotta, you know, know when to fold him. Yep. And um, and he picks a, a good time to do that there. Totally. Agreed. Yeah, I like that little that little moment. It was a good moment for that character. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to Star Wars? Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. So the other one, this was uh, Star Wars. What you said? Star Wars 6? Uh, 7. 7, right. Uh, Star Wars 6, 7, sorry. Uh, the Will of Tarkin Part 1, which is sort of interesting. We're getting a Tarkin episode post um, A New Hope when Tarkin has passed away. but Even post are. Empire. Yeah, I mean even yeah. further along right like it's, it's right. like he's been dead for a while he's been dead for a while but this is the will of tarkin yeah um and this is done by uh charles soul ramon rosanis um rochelle rosenberg vcs clayton cowles uh the letterer um yeah and so basically in this one we get uh commander zara um a pupil of tarkin uh recounts her formative relationship with grand moff tarkin um, as we travel back through time to Iradu and also meet uh, Burnium Row, our first Nile in any canon Star Wars media. Um, so this was a fascinating one. I don't know if it's just Tarkin or what, but um, we get to see Commander Zara, who is um, our antagonist of this run. Um, she seems to really want to take out Princess Leia. Yeah. Uh, but... She is like a super fan of Moff Tarkin. Um, and we sort of see this montage, this comic montage of her rising through the ranks and her interactions with Tarkin, gaining his eye, having he really brought her to the power that she has now um, as almost a mentor figure. She looks at him as a mentor figure. Um, and and they go back to Iradu, which was awesome. If you ever yeah. read uh, Tarkin, uh, the novel, um, which is a Lucino novel, um, it's fantastic. And we, you get some origin story of Tarkin, and this is his home world. And it's like a really rough backwater, like hunting culture. Um, and, um, and the, you know, and hilarity ensues. Um, we also get um, Tarkin's personal ship, uh, the Carrion Spike, which is one of my personal favorite ships. It just sort of pops up through canon lore here and there because i'm i think other artists also have the same uh affinity for that ship as as we do um so yeah kind of a fun episode what do you guys take away from it 
Oh, I yeah. love this issue. Me too. Awesome. Uh, the uh, I love that um, Zara is basically his protege, uh, Tarkin's protege. She's basically yeah. the the next you know Tarkin esque figure to rise in the Imperial ranks, and uh, she's just as good a, a hunter as him, or better. Uh, you know, if you didn't, you guys yeah. didn't see that that giant beast that she went and 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 hunted, and as well as I guess fought all those other guys off, like the Hunger Games, like, yeah. <laughs> in that yeah. moment. So she is a fierce warrior and, and probably a more fierce, a more fierce warrior than a Tark, even Tark and even. Yeah. So I that's, think it's pretty cool. We actually saw um, Vader on that planet have to hunt those beasts without a lightsaber, but that was self-imposed by Vader. I think he was, he was like, give me like an unwinnable battle as he was trying to harden right. himself. Right. In, right, right. In, oh, um, totally one of the true. early Vader runs. Yeah. Or actually that was, uh, I wanted to say it's a stand. Like, was that like a crossover episode or I don't know how you guys qualify it, but. Or like a standalone. Was it one of those Age of? Was it one of the Age of books? Because remember Tarkin and oh, Vader? Oh, what? Uh, yeah. I can't that remember. Might have been. I, mean, I can go run over to my comic collection, but that might take a while. Um, Sorry, I didn't do the uh, research. No, on no. That. It's fine. That might have been lots Vader of standalone. Yeah. Where he like, is trying to punish himself, and he's like, I, Tarkin, I think he, he tells Tarkin to kill him. Like, put me in a situation where you'll kill me. And, of course, he survives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how close is her run in with the destruction of the Death Star? Yeah, like that that part. I was just like, I don't know if I love or hate this, but I think I land on really liking it. It's really funny that she just basically she gets I mean, she makes a mistake. Tarkin basically disowns her and she is ordered to leave. So she begins to leave. This is all happening during the attack on the star, on the Death Star by the rebels. Yeah. And uh you know, they try to stop the stormtroopers try to stop her because they're under attack. And she's like, nope, I have my orders. My orders are to leave. I'm leaving. And is like just outside the explosion ring when it goes out, when it goes down. Yeah, and barely survives. Talk about will of the force. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple other things where I can't remember the terminology, but um, when we're in, you know, quote unquote present time, or at least the timeline of the comics right after episode five, uh, there are other like commanders and stuff on <laughs> the carrion spike and you know they're actually talking about the death star destruction as like their version of alderaan yeah like yeah. we all knew people who died on the death star and like it's just so fascinating this like this this propaganda machine of just like it's really interesting yeah it's human, like yeah after you destroyed there. a planet you idiots um yeah. Yeah, I mean, talking about other commanders um, on the first page in the even the first uh, screen of this, um, we see the inner rim. So, yeah, it's sort of book ending. This is um, Zara's uh, commander, uh, Zara's current chase of uh, Princess Leia and um, the various cells of the rebellion. Um, but we we are on um, in, uh, I think, squadron floor, uh, four. Oh, no, fourth division. Um and um, and the commander of the ship that uh, Leia is on is named Commander Grek. Hmm. That <laughs> sounds is, uh, vaguely familiar. Pretty cool name. I wonder. That's it's a pretty cool name. Um, yeah. I'm just. I don't know if what that suggests. Uh, if there is a possibility that maybe uh, Mr. Soul uh, perhaps listened to this at one point. Thanks very much for doing that. We appreciate it. And uh, I don't know if that's just hubris to suggest that, but, um, you know, 
we'll just say thanks anyways. That's pretty great. You never know. You never know. The name does have a good way of uh, just seeping into your subconscious, you know? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, in there. it's a good it's Star Wars name. Solid yeah. Star Wars name. Uh, Drex, Drex Kondak's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Kondak, should be proud. Yep. <laughs> Solid name. Agreed. Um, I was going to say, I, I do love the fact that did they did bring in Galen Urso's name, which I appreciated. Yeah. Like, I like any time they tie in stuff like just to hear them name together i think they said so the line i was looking for it's here this is like uh you think it has something to do with the death star tragedy after all we all lost someone when it was attacked <laughs> like i love that yeah. line and then it says people said uh organa was linked to the plans being stolen she had some connection to the traitor galen Urso. Yeah. which i'm like that's a great that's awesome that was a great moment we actually saw director krennic in this episode yeah too. like which baby is... krennic yeah non-caped krennic yeah, pretty uh, pretty sweet comic. Like this is definitely bagged and board and in my collection. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm I'm really enjoying Soul's run on the on the main on the main comic. I'm sorry, Souls. It's tough. I I knew a girl named um, Brianna Soul growing up too, and it was spelled this way too. So I don't mm. know. It's going to be a tough one to shed. But if it's Soul, it's Soul. Yeah, you you tell us right in he's, and let us know. He's got Soul, and he's super bad. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, Vader? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So um, this week we did Vader number six, Into the Fire, part one, written by Greg Pak. Uh, art, art by Raphael Ianco. Colorist is Naraj Menon. And VC's Joe Caramagna Magna is the letterer. Uh, this was an incredible issue i'll just say off the back greg pack again is just crushing it with each uh issue of, of vader and this one uh is is as good or better than than the previous ones uh angered by vader's newfound independence in his search for those who hid padme from him all for all these years the emperor punishes vader for falling for failing to turn luke to the dark side and showing sympathy to padme's handmaidens in a grisly display palpatine uses the dark side to crush vader's body has has his limbless torso dumped on Mustafar next to the lava river that nearly took his life twenty years before. Yeah, uh, this was this one yeah. was gnarly. This was a gnarly yeah. issue. This is yeah. gnarly. Can we start in the first cell of page one? Yes. So we're outside of the oh, Imperial yes. Palace in Coruscant. Uh, yeah. They're clearly bringing in episode nine in cell one, right? Because he's pulling down yep. the lightning to to fry Vader, and he's doing the same thing that happened. That we see with him happening with Ray, like he's actually pulling lightning out of the sky, like we see at the tail end and the <laughs> climax of episode nine. Really, I just thought he was throwing so much it was reverberating around the thing, but I didn't know it was actually it comes like coming from the sky. down. Like it's it's yeah, okay. you just see it hitting the spike of the of the Imperial Palace, like coming down from the right. heavens yeah and the imperial palace is the old jedi temple which is just the ultimate troll job by yeah. um, sidious um and is, you can see yeah. it draped in the banners of the empire like very you know nazi germany-esque mm-hmm. um it's a it's a cool vantage point of the the former jedi temple and then of course yeah you just see the lightning surrounding the, the zenith of um that top chamber there but there's also an homage to episode eight uh in which Vader you know, battles the two Imperial guards. It, it yep. feels like episode episode eight yeah. in that moment as well. So yeah. I think it's just, it's kind of taking the sequel trilogy 
uh, into consideration and in trying to create these mirror moments, I think. And I think Sewell does yeah. such a, or Greg Pak does such a brilliant job uh, of that in his issues and a brilliant job of using flashbacks and kind of yeah. like graph, graphic matches and things like that that are just, just kind of subliminal and just single panel. It's, it's yeah. really, really I mean, brilliant work. I want a framed picture of, of the scene where the Emperor is choking Vader and they just have the yeah. six bubbles of all the people he choked. Like, just oh, the, Adam, yeah. how haunting was it when Vader chops Obi Wan in half, but then the Emperor is the top torso part, and he goes, "Ha!" Yeah, how, yes. how haunting it's was that? So amazing. Yeah, that was striking. I've never seen. Yeah. and I think the the art in this is astoundingly good. Like the Emperor, yeah. the perspective on the Emperor is some of the best perspective work on the Emperor that I've ever seen. Yeah, agreed. Uh, great. Yeah, because there there is a lot of juxtaposition between the Emperor and Obi Wan, to and and it's sort of left to interpretation. We see at the so like in one of the last panels as um, Vader's abandoned again on the you know shores of Mustafar, um, and um, the Emperor's walking away. It switches to Obi Wan walking away. So there's like yeah. those two moments, right? Like one is you know a New Hope where he kills. Um, Obi-Wan and it becomes the emperor. And then the other one, it's like, like the emperor essentially leaves him for dead and it becomes Obi-Wan, um, younger Obi-Wan there to, I, I'm just going to throw my I, two cents out there on this. I mean, is to me, I, I viewed it as like all this time he was viewing Obi-Wan as his nemesis, but he's sort of realizing the whole time it was the emperor. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's a big part of it. I think I think he is starting to write like again, we talked about the whole part of the arc of this is getting Vader be- between, you know, to move from the the Vader we see in episode five, to the Vader we see in episode six, which is just like a little more open, right? A little more aware of his son, because by the time, you know, in canon, by the time we see him in episode six, his plan is not to turn Luke to the dark side to become Palpatine's pawn. It's to turn Luke to the dark side so the two of them can take over, right? Like, so he is at that point, by the time we see Vader in episode six, he has written off the Emperor. His plan is to get rid of the Emperor and do what he wanted to do with Padme all along, right? But with his son instead. Right, that's a great point. Uh, uh, at the beginning of episode six? Yeah. So, Grant, you did some extra research. I, I actually watched story. Return of the Jedi after after reading this comic. Uh, and, uh, and Vader is pretty much like a, a a lackey, like a just a subservient henchman. Except at the when he's of talking six. to his son, though. Like when he's talking to his son, I think he's playing the game. I know it just it's interesting though because I yeah. think all I think this comic is does does wonderful character work for for Vader before Episode Six, and so and I just and then I watched the the beginning of Episode Six just to see how Vader behaves and mm. in relation to this comic. And I think it, it's sound. I think Greg Pak did amazing work here. I think it's, I think it's a hundred percent sound that this yeah. all would happen and that it's in it, the emperor has again broken Vader before episode six. It makes perfect sense. Uh, re- revisiting the film. Yeah. So your, your thought is that he's broken and then he kind of comes back around once he comes he back around again. during okay. the film itself. I yeah. see that. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's where this is going. I could totally buy into that. Like this, because that's what they're kind of sold this, this, this run of the comic as, right. It's kind of the punishment of Vader by, and, and, and the emperor's doing it not to, to turn him right to break him again. So yeah, that makes sense. I could totally buy that. We get some in, 
uh, interesting information from Grand Vizier uh, Masameda in mm. this episode, who's like sort of a nothing character, um, just sort of seen in the background um, for most of the feature movies. But um, so I thought it was great here. He was essentially the one to pass sentence on Vader in the beginning of the episode. And then at the end of the episode, he leans over to um, Sidious and says, you know, he wants to kill you, right? Which is, I don't know how he knows that. Like, I never thought of Masameda as a force sensitive, but maybe there's some other something, I don't know, to a species that makes him know it. Or there could be some bioelectrical feedback or something that, yeah. I don't know, who knows what sort of device he can do. But um, Or he's just kind of a political animal and kind of aware yeah. of the game, right? Like, just right. a little more removed. Right. And I think, but I think he's right. And yeah. I mean, if, if, if he is right, then maybe my sort of view of the Obi-Wan um, Sidious dichotomy there could be correct, where he is like, he's finally realizing the error of the way his ways, but it doesn't come from the good people in his life. It comes from, you know, from yeah. really doing soul searching and, and, and coming to grips with the fact that he was ruined by this person that's now torturing him. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I mean, fascinating. And I think there's room for both of these, right? Because he could be on that path. Like, I think this. I think this issue does what Ben, you're saying it does. But this is this is issue part one of probably a six part story, yeah. right? So I think I, I think, think Grant right is that it's going to get ugly and he's going to get broken. And then when he sees Luke again in episode six, this comes flooding back to him, right? This is, he's well, reminded of this, Adam. But to your point, I think Luke. No, you're right, Grant. Like, no, no, I think I think I think he, Luke is what saves him in this issue. It's what keeps him going. Right. He goes, he's alive at some point and grabs right. his lightsaber and crawls up up from the lava. And it's for he's crawling to Luke. That's why he's persistent. Uh, yeah, he's I have to get back to Luke. So I, obviously Return of the Jedi is these when he meets up with Luke, that's a big moment for him. Like yeah. that is. That's why that's why people I don't I, I think people downplay Return of the Jedi. I think it's one of the most, I think, dramatic films out of all the, the, the original trilogy because of that moment on Endor. I think it's a pretty yeah, that, intense that moment. moment on Endor. Yeah. Fantastic. That, yeah. I remember that moment as a kid. I remember standing in the mall uh, watching that moment on a television in Sears around Christmas time. Like I, that moment is is that's... is pinnacle for me. Like just him seeing it and just him getting his lightsaber and the ignition of it. Like it's that scene. I agree with you, Grant. Like, yes, yeah. there's a lot you can, you can say that doesn't work about return of the Jedi, but the stuff that works about that movie is some yeah. of the best star Wars that's yeah. out there. And that yeah. moment to me is one of the best moments in all of star Wars. Yeah. Have you ever seen like a dark a proud... Lord just like walk out on the veranda like that? Like, yeah. what is that? I've yeah. never seen something like that. In it a, was so family. beautiful. And then, well, I mean, I guess we see it with Sidious and Maul and um, Phantom Menace. They're out on a veranda together. Right. But, I mean, he's a proud father in that moment when he ignites yeah. Luke's green lightsaber. And he's like, oh, your journey is complete. Like, it's, it, again, it's like they emote out of that, out of a suit that's a yeah. mask. You know, and it's I feel like a mask. And you can sort of, you you get the emotion off of Vader's suit in that motion in, in that, that moment. And he's like, it's too late for me is what he said, you know, but it's, it's a heartwarming scene. Yeah. And he, I mean, Luke's calling him father the whole time. 
and that's probably his first great. memory or, or or time being reminded of what it's like to be a Jedi, right? Because yeah. he sees Obi-Wan, and that's not really any connection there. It's an old, wizened man, right? But like this time he sees a young Jedi, has built his lightsaber, is dressed similar to how he dressed, and just lighting yeah. that lightsaber is probably this real nice connection moment of like, oh, that's right. Now I remember what it was like to be part of the light side, right? Yeah, and whenever like a light side user uses a red lightsaber or a dark side user uses any other Jedi colored lightsaber. It's always a powerful moment. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot to that beat there where he ignites the green lightsaber and it's just like feeling like what it's like to have a whole connection to a Kyber crystal that hasn't been corrupted by the dark side. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this comic flows beautifully into episode six and, um, and I think all of the character work with the Emperor uh, connects perfectly as well because I remember again when Vader uh, is talking to Moff Gergerod in the beginning of the film, he says, you know, he's he, they're talking about the, the the space station becoming operational, about you know, da da da. Then it gets to the end, and then he's like, you know, we shall double our efforts. And then Vader goes, I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am, and that's, <laughs> this is showing how yeah. unforgiving the Emperor yeah. is. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's I think that's perfect. I think I think Greg Peck's doing a wonderful job of connecting. I think the, it's funny because I feel like films. I feel like that line in the movie is is meant as a kind of a bit of a comedy beat. Right. Right. And but but like there's so much dread and threat behind it that you don't yeah. really think about because it's kind of chuckle worthy. And then when you see this comic, like you were saying, you're like, oh, yeah, now I get that. That's not funny at all. <laughs> that is that yeah. is real. Yeah. But the only thing I do bump up against is in the Sewell run, did Vader not like fall in a river of lava and like, uh, I don't know, just like crawl right out of it and say he's he's become one with the lava or something? Did that not just happen in the Sewell that run? That sounds familiar. I think and so. It may, and then it makes me think like he's already mastered Mustafar as well. Well, I think he has, but at the same time, like he hasn't mastered like. Wait, can't, can't the Mustafar natives like come? grab him he could i think he's the point is just crawl back to doesn't he have a, like a whistle like a clay whistle at this one like an ocarina he can play and just like <laughs> but that's my guess is that come. this is this is emperor's test right he probably told all the uh he probably communicated <laughs> like if you help him i destroy you and your village right like star wars creators own. star wars creators don't know this about us fans so we want all those little yeah. interactions yeah. but no it's this is vader's <laughs> test right no force using he's got to like literally drag himself one armed like to a place and save himself and, and enter and i didn't say it in the summary but enter ochi of yeah this we want to talk assassin. about the final oh my page. gosh i almost forgot about ochi of bastoon <laughs> How could you forget about Ochi of Bastoon? <laughs> I mean, geez, I was just going to say how vicious it was. Like the last act that like that Sidious does is he's like, you can't use the force. I'll know. I'll kill you. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's like, OK. And just starts <laughs> like, you know, like crawling towards yeah. the shore. It's you know, my one arm. Yeah. I guess I'll just, yeah, just shuffle off, you know in my mortal coil but then it's like that's not enough he's like we'll just uh, sick the assassin ochi of bastoon on it as well yeah and so if prep ochi right if if this name sounds vaguely uh, familiar to you this is the assassin that was sent um to go retrieve ray um and we find his bones in episode nine 
um, in that sand pit. Yeah. Which was his ultimate end. So, I mean, he may be a great assassin, but he's kind of bad at a problem solving. Um, can't can't kill it. He's going to kill Vader, but he couldn't kill a kid. Um, so he did kill Ray's parents. That's that. true. That's true. He killed two uh, non force Maybe that snake. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing is, like this time, we haven't seen him. We didn't see him in his full garb, right? Because in the in the movie, when he, they do the flashback, we see him. He's not wearing a helmet. Right. Uh, any thoughts about his his design? I have yeah, thoughts I love, that I are. Uh, I know I what you guys are going to say. I mean, I think. I mean, oh. I'll I'll jump ahead of it and, and see if you thought this as well. But he looks like um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, oh yeah. A little know. bit, a little bit like uh, that's what I got out Star of Lord. Yeah, Star Lord looks, mask. Yeah, he looks like something out of mid two thousands Batman to me. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan, and I don't, I don't like to get negative of artwork, but it looks a little superhero-y, which is kind of what Ben was talking about. It's a little thrown by it, to be honest. Yeah, think, we'll I see. I wonder if we're gonna see him kick Dio in this. Oh my God, you're right. We might get a Dio. Oh man. Oh wait, no. I decided I like Dio. Oh yay, we're gonna get Dio. That's right. I like I Dio know. now. If we do, it'll wait, be really guys. Sad. If we get Dio, I'm gonna be very excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, stop it. You love Dio. He's the greatest. Except this will be sad because it'll I be like a Dio. pet abuse like comic, which I don't know oh, how yeah, dark. Okay, let me be clear. Is. Even if I don't like Dio, does that not mean I do not want to see that? I will take no pleasure in seeing that. Yeah. Sure, maybe, maybe no. But uh, it's not like Dengar. Dengar likes seeing actively abused, but right. not Dio. Dio doesn't deserve it. Boy, I'm Dengar. Oh, um, it's just the helmet or take just the it. visor that throws me a little bit. Like He has bad ears. He has bad ears, dude. Like It's, a, it's Azriel. It looks a little like video gamey. It looks a little like over the top and kind of I don't know. Yeah, it looks a little like like sleek sci-fi rather than Star Wars. It does like yeah. Star Wars to me is like kind of bulky and and dumb, and this kind of looks too sleek and cool for Star Wars. Does does the mask um look a little bit like um Grievous's mask at all to you with the ears, Mm. or was that just me? Maybe a little bit. I can see that. I've got a pull. Like Empress Nest. It looks like Empress Nest to a degree. It's kind of got like a coyote look to it almost. Oh, yeah. I could totally see that. Totally. That mask is also 100% going to slide up in the next episode, and you'll just see his regular face. I got yeah, Did go... he have, he oh, have a mask in the movie, or was he just no. like the alien? We only see the alien face. We don't see any mask, I don't think. Oh, yeah. So I... he's got, it's more like horns. I did I, think a... Batman, too. Where, where's the. Where's the dagger that he carves the Death Star like outline into? Uh, I don't know. He Not... does have an awesome melee weapon that's just like, yeah, that thing is like... pretty impressive. It's a stick. Yeah, I, it's got feel, three I feel different bad daggers. For this guy. He's going after Vader. This guy is going after Vader right now. I know well, Vader's at a disadvantage. He's, but... I was about to say he's going after a one-limbed Vader, but yeah. Still, I just I don't know. And then, oh, I guess Vader can't use the Force. What is Vader going to do? I swear, Vader's going to call upon the the Mustafari tribes to help him, and they're going to. Well, he's where is he heading to? He's headed to is the Techno Union. Where did they say he's headed? Uh, yes, the ruins of the Techno Union installation. So by the time Ochi of the Bestoon or Ochi of Bestoon gets there, he's going to have his uh, he's going to have robot legs and arms again. Yeah. Wait, guys, you know what that means? That means 
Anakin's gonna have to rely on his like tinker uh, yeah talent. yeah he's gonna like hack into all those super battle droids and have them fight him and you're gonna see the Anakin Anakin's still the tinker he always has oh and we're gonna get so many flashbacks to him as, uh, tinkering yeah we're gonna get Life's all so this. much simple when you're fixing things and it's just <laughs> yeah. like yep. that's <laughs> yep. that's exactly yeah. right and then we're gonna get our you and angels it's gonna remind <laughs> him of seeing no <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be his like bald caretaker and he's going to be like, are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> that guy, yeah. I think that's going to be the one that that helps him out. He's going to have like some like like safety switch on his suit that he hits and like his caretaker is going to come get him and save him from the things and bring him back to this lair. Yeah. All I know is if we're Perfect. actually getting a couple of scenes inside the techno union installation, we better get some hollow vids of Watt Tambor. That's all I want. All right. You ask, you shall receive. That would be great. I want to see some Castle Vader in this. I want to see a little more Castle Vader. Wait, wait a second, guys. <laughs> oh, is there going to be a through line from Vader to Ray? Is that going to be created in any way where it's like... I don't uh, know. I mean, we're still I think, like... I think you're on something there, Grant. Because, I mean, Ochi Bastoon is in his own way a, a tenuous fiber between vader and ray right right i mean he's i mean he's definitely connected to ray and here he comes for vader um that'll be interesting what if vader like touches what if vader grabs his arm or something like that and oh gets a force vision vision? oh yeah he's like when i die i'm gonna reincarnate into someone no that's that's only if i was connected to the to write the movies in the first i bet you're right though yeah there's gonna be a force vision yeah, which is fine. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Vader's gonna see Ray in this Force vision. Dark, Maybe uh, Anakin Skywalker is gonna see Ray. So. Yeah, I mean we know that Anakin's already talked to Ray, right, at the very end of Episode Nine. So, yeah. and Anakin talked to um, Luke, right? Didn't Luke say at one point that he spoke with um, Ben and Qui Gon and? And Anakin? No, that's oh, why. No, that's one of the many problems I have with the Last Jedi. Is <laughs> Luke is just disconnected from everyone, and it's just a deflating. Well, yeah, because he Russian he, novel. He disconnected himself, but I don't. Ben, I don't remember that. Is that from an EU? That's old EU. I remember he used to talk to Anakin, but I don't remember a new EU. <sighs> maybe. But maybe. I um I thought there was something where he was like, oh yeah, in my trip in my travels, I've you know, I communicated with all of them multiple times. Oh, is that also maybe the Trevorrow script? No. I think, it, or I, it might have even been like a behind the scenes or something. It's like, oh, yeah, no, he spoke with all of them. Oh, Legends of Luke Skywalker, like the book? Maybe. Oh, man. Because we don't get like, yeah, actually, it might have been Legends of Luke Skywalker. So I think he talks about. That makes sense. To... My, my Chihuahua just grumbled, like, are you going to talk about Legends of Luke Skywalker again? <laughs> 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 she knows me too well um i think that might have been it and I, I i it bothers me that we're always sort of pontificating but like you try to wrap your head around I everything have in canon. so it's many so things I'm trying here this yeah. is homework for you our beloved listeners um, i assure you we've read it all multiple times but man yeah. keeping it all straight especially now that they're jumping around the timeline i'm like i got i got nothing but yeah yeah the Legends of Skywalker was awesome, and it's it's worth a read. And if you want to check it out and um, confirm this, that'd be by, by Ken by Ken Liu. 
There you go. I will say we did talk refer- reference the Tarkin novel, which was the first new novel in the yeah. new EU. So that's going to count for something. That's like six years ago at this point, five years ago. Wait, yeah, so that was and invent- it was Lucino. Who invented Ray Sloan? Yeah. I-, I read the other day that John uh, Jackson Miller invented Ray Sloan. Oh, really? I, I would have sworn it was Aftermath. But... Wait, did John Jackson Miller do A New Dawn? Because I think yeah, that was... Yeah, that, that's... Uh, yeah, that's I forgot yeah. about New Dawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. that was, um, And yeah, she was great. And um, uh, uh, Wendig was very... Or Wendage uh, was very consistent with their character from those books. Yeah. Um, and she's great in um, in Squadrons as well. I've been journeying forth in squadrons along the um single player mode just to try and get this story under my belt um to have it um with not much success i'm very bad at the game um but uh but yes the story is very interesting nice um yeah so i guess here we are i mean wow i can't wait to see the rest of this series um all of them are fantastic but i i don't know this is really great grant i'm so Ha- it makes me so happy that you went back and watched uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. That's, that's, oh, yeah. I do that. I do that when I read some of these powerful comics. Like, I, these comics are really powerful. I, I would, yeah. again, I'm trying to tell all all the Star Wars fans I know, you know, in my ecosystem that they should read the comics because yeah. they're just fantastic. Like, these, this Vader run Afra Star Wars, it, they're, they're incredible. Yeah. Stories. They're doing such great work. It's really good. Yeah. And it looks like a lot of these authors are going to be pioneers into the next sort of generation of whatever Star Wars becomes, um, you know, which is what we're going to see in the higher public. Um, and it looks like it's in great hands because um, it's yeah, fantastic yeah. storytelling. Um, so, yeah, get on the comics, y'all. If um, if you haven't already, there's ways to to get into them um, in a cost effective manner. If that is your uh, ticket, um, I, I you know. Yeah, in terms of cost effective, I will always I will always be a shill for Marvel Unlimited. Um, they are yeah. six months behind, but if you are just getting into the comics, there's so many Star Wars comics to read that yeah. you can do that. Be a little I behind. Think Casual Jason is on that right now. I think that's who I talked to about it, and he was he's doing that and um, catching up on all these. Um, it's a great way to go. I started that way until I sort of caught up with y'all, yep. and now I mean I have to. Yeah, well, it's, you, you got your it's, job. It's then. my burden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I gleefully um, read, you know, new comics when they come out now, which is um, a very life enriching experience for me. Yeah. So, um, y'all, we did it, I think. Um, thanks so much, everyone, for listening to us. Um, Claudia, call us. Um, <laughs> but we will probably reach out to you. We'll and, be reaching uh, out. Yeah, Charles Soul as well. Um, if uh, you like the naming convention for Greg's contact, please. Um, we'd love to <laughs> take a half hour well, to an hour of your time. Um, yeah. with some we'll also happily give you a list of a hundred star Wars names. You could just take. Yeah, that's right. It's right. Just, um, cause we're hardcore fanboys. Um, yes. Um, y'all are great. Uh, get at us on social media, um, and discord and all that. Um, we love interacting with everyone and, um, we'll talk to you next week. May the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Hey!